Joe presents Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby, together with Guinness. Hello, and you're very welcome to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby, here on Joe, together with Guinness. We are live from 1314 Catherine Street, Jerry Flannery's Bar, in Limerick City! And we're finally there, finally, after years and years of preparation, years and years of anticipation, we've been building up to this game this weekend. We beat them last time, and I think we're going to beat them again. It's Japan, South Africa! Come on, Japan! Come on, Japan! (laughs) Two big Japanese supporters in the house tonight. I'm okay, okay, we're messy. Obviously, we are, from the start, Baz and Andrew, have been backing Ireland to win the World Cup because we believe... I believe. We believe that Ireland can win the World Cup. Are you with me? Are you with me? There's a few out there that might not believe enough. I don't know if you believe. Do you believe? Do you believe? I do. Do you believe? I'm not convinced. My dad, my dad's here somewhere. He definitely doesn't believe. He, he doesn't believe at all. He's about to boo his son. But we believe. <laughs> I right? don't believe. Sorry, Baz. You don't believe? I don't believe. Why not? I don't believe because we got hammered by England in the summer. We got hammered by Japan. And we're about to play New Zealand, the double world champions. Yeah. It's not believe. We're not buying into believe, we're buying into naive. Naive. <laughs> I can buy that. To naivety. To naivety. Come on, Ernest. All right, yeah. so we are live from 1314 uh, Catherine Street, Limerick. What a swanky bar. Mm. Isn't it? It's lovely, isn't it? You like it? Big um, uh, Christmas balls at the back there. Yeah. Christmas tree balls. Bit early, but. Yeah. All season. Mm. All year round. This is Limerick, huh? Mm. Limerick's grown on me quite a bit, you know. Mm. When I arrived earlier on, I arrived into the train station and I got homesick straight away. <laughs> <laughs> and I find myself walking out and I, I kind of I felt like I was kind of making the face that Pete O'Mahony makes on game day. <laughs> you know, like just that unpleasant, fatigued face. That part of town is great, to be honest. Is this cool? yeah. They're working on it. They're working yeah. on it. And I rolled my sleeves down because I didn't, I didn't want to touch anything. <laughs> <laughs> but then Barry picked me up and, and it all changed. Like my world changed. And Barry gave me a tour of the city and I saw all the sights. What did I, I see did. today? I brought him down to O'Connell Street. I showed him the sushi place. And, <laughs> and I brought him here. But I, I like... Limerick City, we have some of the most respected and best rugby players in the world. Conor Murray, Keith Earls, Paul O'Connell. Recently being a little bit disrespected when someone slapped a purple dildo on his head at Electric Picnic. <laughs> so I said to Trimby, when we were down on O'Connell Street, I was like, rather than us seeing that as a negative thing, I think we should embrace that. And we should embrace the dildo. And we should set up our own <laughs> dildo games every year where people come from all over the world and we set up on O'Connell Street and people will toss <laughs> dildos up O'Connell Street as far as the eye can see and we'll make a whole weekend about it. Um, yeah, you, there could be, there could be fest, festivities. Like, yeah. It could be a full day out for the family. There could be like face painting over here and like, <laughs> you know, like pony riding over here. And like, the dildo, like obviously the kids don't, the kids don't, look at the, don't look at the whole dildo thing. <laughs> don't worry about that. They could be like sharpening their dildos, <laughs> like 
getting them, getting them aerodynamic. Yeah. And, <laughs> and they're throwing them so far. Imagine it. There could be like um, dildo geeks and like dildo anoraks, and they could be comparing like dildo throwing stats from last year's yeah, festival. Imagine all Orange Shannon Airport arriving with their gear bags, all the, gil- the dildos just sticking out of them, like all different colors and stuff. I've never said dildo so many times. I know. It's great. My mother is having a nervous breakdown over here. I also told my mother that you were staying in her house tonight and she was so heartbroken when I told her that it wasn't happening oh yeah maybe another time yeah (laughs) (laughs) what did she say she said she has a dildo at home (laughs) how far can you throw it though (laughs) right anyway that is more than enough we are here in 1314 Bar, Jerry Flannery's very own bar, where the beer flows like Buckfast and the staff are all on minimum wage. <laughs> speaking of Jerry Flannery, speaking of the devil, will we get him out here? Yeah. Introducing Munster, an Irish rugby legend, a top class publican, and a man so completely unable to hack the pressure of coaching his own province. (laughs) (laughs) That he ended up abandoning them, and now he just hangs out with us every day and regrets that decision every day for the rest of his life. Mr. Jerry Flattery, ladies and gentlemen. Um... No, no. Oh, didn't approve. It's true, though. Um, spineless. <laughs> can I call you? Can I call you spineless Flannery? Uh, yeah. Listen, you're with us now, right? So you're one of us. But I mean, up until you know four months ago, five months ago, things were going great. Where, first of all, where did it all go wrong? <laughs> and when you made the decision to turn down the contract, did you know that was the beginning of the end? <laughs> And finally, what proactive steps have you taken to make sure that your life stops unraveling? Um, Take your time. Obviously, it started with approaching the CEO and saying I wasn't going to take the contract. I I didn't know it was going to be like this. I didn't know it was going to be so shit. But, um, you know, I obviously regret the decision. no, I don't mean to be speak bad on you lads, but uh, yeah, it's not been great. Um, it just did. And but I've been proactive. I've, I've applied for jobs. I'm out there. I'm in the market. Um, I've applied for Munster as a kit man. Uh, <laughs> my CV's gone in there. I'm I'm, I'm hoping. No, it's, it's too, bit too it's, high. It's too ambitious. It's too high. <laughs> Keep going. Lower, lower. Uh, <laughs> we could. I I know like uh, the bar staff in like the Shannon RFC clubhouse. You can maybe get you in there on Sundays collecting glasses, um, get you some... Yeah, you know. I, 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 I had my eye on the janitor's job in Tumwan Park. I thought, like, I'm not really sure where this came from, but I was, like, thinking if I could do a good job on, you know, initially just keeping the toilets clean, 
keeping the, keeping the stadium spick and span. And then if I could just start putting some of my ideas, rugby ideas up on the, on the mirrors, just writing them up that maybe, maybe Stephen Larkin might walk into the toilet, something like, he's after writing this up here. <laughs> And, so, uh, Fly, you, you, you said you, you weren't sure where this came from. That came from Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> and you are Matt Damon. See, that's, that's where you're wrong. Will Hunting is far smarter than you. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, that, that was, that was, that's, that's my plan. And, uh, we'll call that plan B. You're with us now. Yeah. This is plan A. Yeah, I've got to make the, worst, make the best of a shit situation yeah, yeah well it's not great for us either ladies and gentlemen I'll be honest with you well look we've wasted enough of your time it's about uh, time we got our first two guests on the couch if that's alright first up Munster and Ireland legend who in 2014 was part of the first ever Ireland team to defeat New Zealand it's Neve good cop Briggs bad boys, bad boys. Oh, Someone you'll all be very familiar with, Monster in Ireland star, the youngest Monster player ever to reach 100, uh, 100 Monster caps, instrumental when Monster beat the Mari All Blacks in 2016. And he's going to help us tonight understand how we're going to beat the All Blacks at the weekend, the impossible task. Mr. Rory Scannell. Rory, nice chair. We are, yeah, flies over in the little kind of the granny. I'm this sick relative. (laughs) (laughs) You need to put a little tartan blanket and just ignore me in the corner. (laughs) And even has a little blanket, that would be great. Um, Neil, Rory, we're delighted you can join us tonight. Uh, We know you're both very busy at the moment, so thanks a million for taking the time to join us all here. Uh, Briggsy, I'm going to start with you. Obviously, uh, an incredible career to date. You've achieved more than, than most on the pitch for your country, for your province, for your club. Um, you've also had your fair share of injuries, and obviously with the boot on you tonight, you're still stuck in the middle of one. Yeah. Can you talk us through where exactly you are at the moment? Yeah, uh, about eight weeks ago, I smashed my leg pretty much and dislocated my ankle, so I had it uh, pinned in that. Um, so I'm about eight weeks post-surgery now, hoping to get the boot off maybe in the next week. Um, and then we'll see what happens after that. But wow. it's been a lot of injuries. Yeah. So yeah. That's, I, I stuck them out in fairness. <laughs> Take us through <laughs> the last two or three years of injuries for you you've had. Yeah, I suppose it's, it started like hamstring off the bone was probably the, the start of the, the big, you know, the, the ball rolling. And then um, I got back for about a week. It seems to always get about, I used to get about a week. Of, of training and then uh and Achilles missed the World Cup and um yeah just trying to be fighting everything everything since so and then this is just uh good old icing on cake. What about you Rory where are you at at the minute you've obviously had a good start to the season two from three wins um if so season started well if you go on now to have a little bit of success with Munster will you look back and say it all started the day we got rid of Flannery? <laughs> <laughs> 
spineless Flannery, sorry. <laughs> I, I'll give him his full title. No, I wouldn't quite say that. I, w I won't be too harsh. But um, yeah, it's been a good start to the season so far. Um, you won't be too harsh because you shouldn't be too harsh. <laughs> There's no basis for it. Fair. Um, so yeah, two wins and uh, we lost to the Cheetahs last week, which is disappointing. But um, we have a week off now and, you know, into tough 14-week block, I think, next week. So How good are the Cheetahs? Yeah, they're looking impressive. Uh, three bonus point wins so far and, you know, won the Curry Cup as well. So um, they've had a great start to the season and uh, I think we'll definitely see them in the later start parts of the season as well. This year they're, they're flying it, so... Briggsy, um, I don't know, obviously not many people here will know, but when you see Briggsy behind closed doors, she's incredibly dedicated on the pitch, off the pitch, in the gym, recovery, rehab. Uh, you're one of the most dedicated players I've ever seen. And also juggling that with a full-time job as an upstanding member of the Garda Shia <laughs> How do you balance both of those things? Sorry, sorry. I just want to say we we didn't splash out the 400 quid for the late license tonight, but Briggsy said we're covered to go to half two. And look, not to be outdone by Ryan Tubbery in the late, late show, Briggsy has promised that if you form an orderly queue, we'll sort out penalty points in the night. But hey, don't take the piss. It's a maximum of two penalty points per person. And uh, three, we might three, just... Three, 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 three. Three, three, three. three. Well, we might have, we, we, Pat, we might just edit this bit out at the end. Just, there's a few rats out there. <laughs> there's one sitting over there. Can you police any strings in Northern Ireland at all? No. No, sorry. He, he arrives down to Dublin every week for the show and he just abandons his car wherever the fuck he wants. And he's just like, I'm from the north, I can do whatever I want. And do your worst, I'm not from around here. Is that, is that real? Is that a myth? Or like... No, they can come for you, yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, they haven't. Have you, have you been pulling strings? I know, but what's the red your car? Um, it's your red. Uh, uh, I can't remember. Genuinely can't remember. Trimby 22. Same. 23, man. 23, 23. <laughs> I was going to say 23. We were different years. <laughs> I was 23. Uh, no, on a serious note, how does that, how do you, like, do they give you so much time off or are they very generous with that kind of stuff or is it just a matter of getting oh, into work? There's my dad, yeah. Mike. Mom, be careful. She is mad Mom. about your, your husband. <laughs> Mike Murphy's a legend. Yeah. She's the only woman in the world other than you that has her eyes on him, so be careful. Um, yeah, look, it's, no, guards have been great in terms of their support and stuff, but it's like anybody else that plays at a high-level sport. It's amateur, you train before work, you train after work type of thing, so your day starts incredibly early, you know, finishes in the evening and you just don't get to do anything that's kind of normal. You know, you don't see much TV, you don't uh, socialise too often, but it's it's. it's it's worth it. Like it's kind of like you know you love it, so you don't mind doing it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But if I'd love it, they gave me loads of time off. But <laughs> um, yeah, no. They but they have. They've been like like ten years playing for Ireland. They've been incredibly supportive. So very lucky. Okay. So looking forward to the weekend, Ireland versus New Zealand. You are a member of the team, the first Irish team to have ever beat the New Zealand team. Can you take us back to what? exactly you used I suppose to to overcome the ch the mighty challenge of beating a New Zealand rugby team 
hands up on, on, the, on the stage, hands up if you've beaten New Zealand. <laughs> we should, um, I know we probably, there's, one, there's definitely one more fan in the house. Is there anyone out there that's, that's beat New Zealand? I'm expecting Ginger McLaughlin to be like up in the rafters, yeah. <laughs> like Phantom of the Opera, just like ah. <laughs> we should start a WhatsApp group, us three and Ginger, <laughs> just just keep in touch and share memories. <laughs> the new Jerry and Baz group. <laughs> At least I almost beat them. We almost beat them. We raised the hearts and souls of the nation, and then dashed them just as quickly. <laughs> Did you ever come close? Nah, we got <laughs> pumped. We got pumped every time. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that time you almost beat them, I was supporting the All Blacks. Were you? Yeah. You bitter fuck. Yeah, sorry. It's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> it comes from jealousy. <laughs> but I think it's fine. But talk us through, what's the key? What's the secret? Um, I, I don't know. I, for us, it was just that we were complete and utter underdog. Like, no one gave us a chance at all, so... Like you're secretly going, hee you know, as a group and being like, let's just throw caution to the wind, nothing to lose. And in the Women's World Cup, it's similar to the 20s that if you lose a game, you're out basically. So like we just didn't like really give a fuck about them, to be honest. Mm. You Is know, that the key to not, not put them on a pedestal? Yeah, I, I think for us, we just had, you know, we great like great team culture, really good spirit within the squad and we just looked after ourselves in terms of how we prepared for the game as opposed to worry like, you always have to worry about the opposition but not really delve too much into how brilliant they are and they, they're like the women's team are as awesome as the men's they've won loads of World Cups and stuff so um, yeah we just kind of looked after ourselves and not really like but we embraced it we loved the challenge we wanted like for the hacker and stuff it's very different to the men's one it's all you know it's like more of a dance as opposed to um, <laughs> anything about sitting throats because they're not really yeah. <laughs> um, <that> gonna... <laughs> and we spoke about it beforehand we just really wanted to enjoy it because for us it was you know we've only played them once in our like had, that was the first time we got to play them we've only played them once since it's not something that we get to do every year so um, yeah we just kind of went out with the let's just go and enjoy it trust in our ability to play rugby and, and hopefully pull it off a shocker yeah, well, he did. Uh, Scans, beating the Maoris. Um, obviously, it was around the time that Axel passed away, and this week being Axel's anniversary is quite a, uh, uh, a poignant kind of time as well, the fact that we're playing the All Blacks the weekend. What was that like for you? Was that, a, that must have been a huge moment uh, in Thomond Park in front of that crowd, and that moment when they presented the jersey um, and to go out and beat you know, some of the best players in the world, uh, future All Blacks as well as current All Blacks. Yeah, it was a special night. Um, it was obviously just after Axel passed away and, you know, we had a tough few weeks in Europe. Uh, it was kind of a strange one. I remember chatting to Razzy and he was thinking, um, he was in between a league game, so we had a weekend off and he was thinking about now quite a young side. Uh, he didn't kind of realise the tradition Munster had against touring sides, so I remember kind of looking at him saying, oh, it's a bit strange that you're going to do that uh, and obviously Flau will remember it but you know we ended up putting out kind of the strongest side we had during the November series um, and you know a couple of young lads played as well it was a special night and you know obviously uh, the weather probably helped us a bit uh, they, they weren't used to that torrential rain I'd say but um, no, it was a special night and you know it's not something you do every every week or every year so 
you know, it was uh, it was quite enjoyable and it was a great win for the club. That was your memories of that game. Um, I probably look at it like uh, it's a bit different for me because myself and, and Felix at the time would have been chatting to, to, to Rassi and to Jacques Nienaber at the time and, 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 and like Rory alluded to, they, they probably didn't realise the, the tradition that's attached to Munster playing touring sides and they just said, oh, well, we're playing the New Zealand Maoris, we'll just put out like a Mickey Mouse side and rest most of our, our, our top players. And we said, I don't think you're really grasping what this means to, to Munster as a club or to the Munster supporters. And Rassi said, well, look, let me talk to the players, spoke to Rory, spoke to a lot of lads who've been kind of probably on the fringes of the national camp. And he came back to myself and Jones and just said, look, he said, I, I, I think I'm getting, I, I'm getting to grips with what this game means to you. And uh, we, uh, there were some lads there who probably, you know, were probably fourth choice. Uh, in the squad but because of international players away being away they got into the squad that, that day and that's what the what I would have been cliche the, the, the really cool thing about games like that is that listen you can you can fast forward through 10 years of your career and you can if, if you perform on this day you will go into the history history books for Munster every single time and uh, you know the lads were, were unbelievable on the day and uh, you know for guys like like I look at guys like John Madigan who started for us in the set in, in second row and probably didn't play maybe more than 15, 15 caps for Munster senior team but he'll always go down now as a guy who beat the Munster, the Maori All Blacks and it was uh, it was a great it was you know off the back of what happened with Axel it was a really weird time for us as a club but uh, I think players' performance is really the currency that you trade on and uh, you know they delivered again so it was it was a great day. I always slag Trimby because I feel like of all the people in the world, in, the, in Ireland, to have beaten the All Blacks, he could not give less of a fuck, really. <laughs> if I, it, I just like slagging, slagging you. And apart from that, I'm not that bothered. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, meh. And everyone else is losing their mind over it. Well, Pat is. Pat especially, yeah. <laughs> Pat wrote a play about it. That's how much Pat loves it. <laughs> and Trimby, like, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, it is. We all grow up as Irish people, big rugby fans. Remember my dad sitting me down watching the, the hacker every morning uh, that it was on. It was a big moment. You get up to watch it and it was always that uh, mountain that was always too steep to climb. Um, I mean, what was that like for you? That, that I don't know, the final whistle. I want to know what that moment was like. Yeah. Was it as special as we all hoped? It was. It was. And I'm, I'm, I'm playing. I'm, I say that in jest. Obviously, the All Blacks were the, the team that you never think you're going to beat. And there's an element of, obviously, Ireland will go on in the future and they're bound to beat them a few more times. And obviously, they've beaten them again since. And there's something special that that was, that was the first time. And they'll never beat them for the first time ever again. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, uh, it was the whole occasion. There was something about that week with the Cubs. I'm sure a lot of this co is covered in, um, in Pat's um, play. He gave me the script, but I didn't get around to reading it. <laughs> <laughs> I just text back, like, emoji thumbs up. <laughs> uh, but... The, the whole run up to the game, you know, the Cubs won the World Series and we all became massive Cubs fans in the same way we've all become Japanese rugby fans in the last few weeks. But we all jumped on the bandwagon and then all the Irish came into town and it's, the, the occasion was incredible and the people that you share those occasions with make it more incredible. Uh, so it was just that, a moment in time that I'll always remember. Yeah. So I, I'm playing it down, but it was very, very special. 
even when we played in Thoman Park against the All Blacks on a Tuesday night, you know, didn't think there'd be a huge amount of crack afterwards, but we dragged the absolute arse out of it. <laughs> I remember being up in Charlie Malone's bar. Is it Charlie Malone's up by, by uh, Bobby hole. Burns's? The Black Hole. <laughs> the Black Hole, they called it, right? <laughs> and we were in the Black Hole. It was about 6 o'clock in the morning, and there was just bodies on the ground. Everyone was just setting up camp, going to sleep. And I was there. I am not going to bed. So I was with Anthony Redden, who owns... Uh, Anthony... Uh, Outdoor. Outdoir, who loves and Redden's down or Redden's bar on the corner, and I was like, uh, "Your man in, in in the black hole was like, lads, I'm shutting you off." As you so. got knocked out in the game, you shouldn't I have know. been drinking, man. <laughs> <laughs> You're not unconscious after about three Back minutes. before concussion was cool. <laughs> <laughs> I was knocked out in the first minute of that game. If you watch back, I got KO'd. And I was lying in the ground. I tried to get up, and I just run backwards and fall. The doctor came on, and it was like, uh, he told me afterwards, he was like, Barry, uh, I asked you to come off. And you were like, please don't take me off. My dad will kill me if you take me off. <laughs> <laughs> so he left me on. And I remember, like, about 30 minutes, he was standing on the, on the, beside me on the wing, and he kept talking to me. And I was like, what's wrong with you, man? And he was like, your head. And I, I'd completely forgotten, like, that I'd been knocked out. But yeah, you're probably right. I shouldn't have been <laughs> drinking this. And you have a shit dad. Shit dad. <laughs> and I knew a shit dad. Well, I remember, uh, was your mummy, was your mum worried sick? Shit. Were you worried about him? No. <laughs> <laughs> the hangover, she, she's always good for, for a hangover and just coming over and rubbing my head and stuff like that. But I remember going to Aunt, we walked outside the black hole at like six in the morning and Aunt was like, do you want to go for a pint? I was like, yeah. And he still even... He brought me down and opened up his bar, and we went in. and He goes, "Will I put on the match?" I was like, "Yes." So <laughs> he put on the match, and we sat there at two points to get it. And we watched it. And anytime I do anything in the game, he go, "Well done, bar." Well done. <laughs> <laughs> and then it, it finished at like eight a.m. and he goes, "Will I put it on again?" <laughs> We got to about half ten, and people, people started coming in for coffees. And like his his wife came in with their newborn child, and I was there holding this little baby with my point again, and still trying to watch the match, like trying to feed it. So I dragged the arse out of it. Did you drag the arse out of beating the All Blacks or beating New Zealand? I have. I've talked about it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, yeah. Yeah, probably. Well, I don't know. I remember that was my first week as a guard, that match that you played. <laughs> and they were like, is anyone around to do, like, can help out with the match? So I was like, yes, free tickets. And I was like, yes, I am traffic duty on the dock road. <laughs> <laughs> I saw none of the game. None. Wow. Yeah, it was like, everyone talked about this great match, moments of ever, and I was like, yeah, it was God, brilliant. Do that. Come on, <laughs> stop. I said stop, come on. <laughs> you going from traffic duty on the dock road to then beating the All Blacks is like his life in reverse. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, that's true. That's true. <laughs> It'll pick up again. Uh, Scans, obviously there's no one here that has been closer to the Irish camp. Uh, this year you were uh, in the camp for the whole summer. Um, obviously, playing in a position that is probably the most competitive position we have in the squad and you were very unlucky to lose out but um, it was obviously a very disappointing few weeks for you when, when you had to depart from the squad um, Yeah, you know, I was delighted to be involved in the squad um, 
when I was named at the end of the season and as you said you know centre is probably one of the most competitive and I knew myself going in you know the lads have played a lot more than I had at that level and you know more experience so I knew I was going up against it um, but it's kind of the World Cup's a strange one because it's such a small squad that the more positions you can cover you know if you're a fringe player the more likely you are to go and um, just as the other centres all cover the, the two positions I primarily play at 12 and you know the odd bit of 10 probably you know didn't help me but um, yeah it was you know great to be involved it was probably the best pre-season I've put down uh, so far in my career and you know it, it was obviously disappointing to be let go but you know going back straight into pre-season with Munster then and, you know I felt felt good felt fit Did you, did you find out early scans in pre-season you know, he kind of staggered it. Yeah, so it was, I think it was everyone was in kind of for like six or seven weeks and it was actually the week before the first game, the end of that week I was let go. So it was at this point not to get a crack, you know, obviously. Was that, maybe, was potentially was that maybe easier rather than getting right up to... Yeah, like, you know, chatting to Mike Haley who, you know, come, came over last year and was in the mix and, you know, he was kept on and played against Italy, came off the bench for, I don't know, 20 minutes and... You know, it's obviously great getting your first cap, huge honour. And you know, the next morning he gets a phone call saying, "Look, we're going to release you back." So it's it's mixed emotions, and you know that probably would have been harder to take than being told, you know, the week before, "Look, we're releasing you back." So you know, it's probably a bit tougher in that in that circumstance. But um, yeah, it was disappointing overall. But you know, it's uh, something you have to take on the chin. Tell me, we in around whenever you were watching the Japan game, honestly, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Were you kind of supporting Japan a little bit? I'll put it to this way. I, I'm two from two against Japan, so I'm happy enough with that one. <laughs> <laughs> so I just I, imagine, like, anyone who didn't make the call is like, or let's say you, like, just <laughs> flaking down William Street on a rickshaw or something, like, just <laughs> with a samurai sword, throwing out feckin' sushi, just like, come on, Japan! <laughs> But obviously your brother's involved, so... Yeah, yeah, he was involved, so yeah. It was, uh, I know, it was disappointing for them, but they're in the quarterfinal, which is the main thing, so... Yeah, you heard from him, how's he getting on? Uh, yeah, good, he's uh, he's delighted to be involved this week now, it's uh, it's an exciting time, so he's, um, it's hard keeping in touch with the time difference, so I haven't been chanting him too much, but, uh, you know, it's, it's tough going, I can imagine, you know, you're in camp since the middle of June, and, you know, it's... They could potentially be there another three weeks, all going well. So, is there a thing at all between the two of you? Like, is there, is there a uh, part of you is kind of sick of, nah, sick of nah, him nah. having so much success? Not really. No, uh, we're different. <laughs> I, I, should, I imagine like, you're uh, like, you're obviously extremely successful. You're monster player, Ireland player. But are you like Venus Williams and he's Serena? <laughs> Could look like that any, way. any other family would be like, "This is my my daughter Venus. She's really successful." But then now, you know, in your family, they're like, "Go away, Venus, would you?" <laughs> <laughs> Serena, come and meet our friends. Well, my parents uh, provisionally booked going uh, back in I'd say January or February, you know. And at the time, they're like, "Oh, hopefully one of you will be going." But uh, you know, when it actually came to it, they were like, "Yeah, well, we we kind of partly guessed that Niall would be going." So <laughs> it's like, "Oh, th- thanks for backing me anyway." But. Uh, I know we wouldn't, we wouldn't be too competitive, really. Oh, he's been modest, man. <laughs> to be fair, he's competing with Chris Farrell, with Bundy Aki, with fucking Robbie Henshaw and Gary Ringrose. Niall Scannon's competing with, like, a 
Rory Bestmoe's like 57 years of age. <laughs> <laughs> so fuck it. If you, like, the fact that Noel's not making the team, man, is like... <laughs> <laughs> so you've got to give, give him some props, man. It's well, crazy great player. Rory, talk to us about... Let's, Blah as a coach. What was your relationship like? This is a bit dirty. How, how, <laughs> how was it, really? Uh, yeah, good. As, as a forwards coach, I didn't have too much involvement with him, but uh, usually, you know, when you meet him in the morning, he kind of st- you say, hello, Flat, how are you? Good, yeah, man. What, what did you have for breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> so he loves chatting about food. So the majority of my conversations were about food with Fla. And obviously he's massively into his healthy eating and, you know, a bit, probably a bit over the top. And I was only <laughs> chatting to James Cronin this morning and he reminded me of a, a story on the way back from a game where I was sitting next to Fla on the plane and... Hang on, you're, you're, you're not on the show to make me look like a dickhead. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not making you look like a dickhead. Okay, okay. <laughs> he's sick. So, obviously he's a very vain man, as you can see, and uh, <laughs> we'd won a big European Cup game and, you know, bought a bar of chocolate in the, after the game in the airport and I can't remember who was sitting next to me but you know opened it or offered the lad some and you know I just thought in my head flat obviously won't eat this like he doesn't eat chocolate and uh, he taps me in the shoulder you gonna, you gonna offer me some of that man <laughs> and I said oh sorry I didn't think you'd eat chocolate oh, <laughs> he's I, like a dog like. Yeah, I, I'm real sweet too but I love chocolate so he's like oh do you Why want do you some like someone like some scope or some cold <laughs> station <laughs> You say man at the end of every sentence. He does. So, uh, <laughs> I said, oh, sorry, do you want some? He goes, nah. And just turned, <laughs> turned around back into the laptop coding scrums or whatever malls. So, yeah, the majority of my conversations with Flower about food, but... Were weird. Yeah, weird. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Weird, but could, made him the player he is yeah, today. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> well, let's flip it on its head. So, Jerry, what was it like coaching uh, a guy like Scans? Um... Well, when I reflect back on my life now <laughs> and I reflect back when I worked with Rory, things were obviously an awful lot different. Um, wh- like, what I loved about working with Munster is that there's so many players there who are so hard working and you take it for granted when you're a player in Munster and then you go graduate to being a coach. But when you speak to people who from with experience in different clubs, I, I appreciate that that the work ethic that the players have in Munster is, 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 you know, that's, it's, I'm not saying it's unique, but it's, 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 it's a big strength that we have here. And I, I absolutely loved working with, with, with Rory. Um, he's, uh, he's everything that you, he's so coachable. He's got a massive work ethic. He's always trying to get better. Um, the main thing for me is that like Rory is so focused on performance on the 80 minutes. Um, like he's not concerned about peripheral things like like appearance or um, <laughs> no, but like it's it, it is like in the modern day with social media, like he could be concerned with his haircut. He's he's obviously not, uh, or his clothes. Uh, he's Rory is focused on performing uh, in that eighty minutes, and um, I, I you know that's. Even even the fact that like be, being being deadly serious, the fact that he's he's reached 100 caps, the youngest player to reach 100 caps in Munster, um, people outside of of Munster probably outside of the Munster squad probably aren't aware of the the esteem that he's held with how high he's held in esteem with with his peers, and it's it's off the basis of um, of him delivering in the 80 minutes. It's not because he's a good laugh 
or or because he's because <laughs> he's good crack or even being popular it's it's it's, it's it's none of that you know what i mean he's it's it's the players the players hold rory in that esteem because of the way he plays um and and nothing else and uh, <laughs> no and he's he's it's it's just it's Look, I can't speak highly enough for the guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's a warrior. He's a warrior. Jen it's Scott, good to see warrior. as well. Since he's left, he's found a barber and he's not still going to Peter Marks, which is great. Ooh. Finally. <laughs> that went down well. <laughs> Again, like I said, shit banter. There you go. Well, Briggsy, it's Ireland versus New Zealand this weekend. Uh, what are your thoughts on the chances? Are we naive or we should we believe? Oh my god, that was creepy. <laughs> it's all on you. <laughs> um, no, I actually think Ireland will win it. Um, yeah. It's two people out there, believe it. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I could really look naive. No, I do. I I think that um, they have they have a confidence in like having beaten them before. Okay, albeit twice, not twenty six times that they've got hammered before that, <laughs> but. There's just something about New Zealand, I think, that Ireland seem to have gotten, in, like, they seem to have a needle in there in terms of, like, New Zealand. I don't necessarily think they'll fear them because they probably just don't fear anybody because they're kind of, like, an arrogant type of team. But I do think that um, they have the game plan. I, I, I think they'll frustrate them. It's all structured. It's not pretty to watch at times in terms of percentage point play, but I do think that that will suit Ireland more than it will suit New Zealand. And if they can stop the unstructured play, I think that they they can. Yeah, I do think they begin. Belief. Naive. Naive. Okay, you're going for an Ireland win. Scans. Obviously, you were in the you were in the camp. There's a lot of people talking about Joe having something up his sleeve. Um, do you feel like we're going to go out and expect the same? pattern of play from Ireland or do you feel they've got something different um, yeah you know they probably haven't had as good as performances the last couple of weeks since the Scotland game but you know when they played New Zealand last they starved them of possession and you know kind of played a controlled kicking game so I think New Zealand struggled with that um, you know it wasn't the prettiest game from an Irish perspective they, I think 16-9 was the final score but you know they got the job done and I think if they can do something similar this week, they'll have a good chance. But, you know, they're definitely up against it. Um, but I think they're due a big performance, so I'm uh, going to back them. Belief. <laughs> <laughs> Final word for you, Trimby. <laughs> <laughs> to naivety. <laughs> Lads, I'd like to give a very special thanks uh, to Neve and to Rory for coming and joining us tonight. Uh, and we'll see you in the second half. Take a 15-minute break, lads. Get your points and business in. You're listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. How are you all doing upstairs? <laughs> hey, everyone upstairs. Hey. Up in the mezzanine. It's the first ever mezzanine in Limerick, I'd say. <laughs> Fucking upstairs, man. <laughs> How are we all at the back? Yeah. Trimby keeps trying to learn the word. How to say goal. <laughs> I just I just can't I just can't do it. We haven't got guiles in Belfast. Every time I say it I can see him across the table, but he'd be just mouthing it to himself. Like, goal. 
Go. I'm rehearsing. Do it. Oh, hey! Hey! Politics and sport do not mix. That's Limerick City. <laughs> All right, are you ready for our next guest? This man, this man, what a man, Jesus. This man is one of the best players to have ever pulled on the Leinster jersey. <laughs> to have ever pulled on the Ireland jersey. And to have ever pulled on the Lions jersey. Put your hands together for Sean O'Brien! <laughs> Oh, Shawnee. <laughs> you should have heard the two of them backstage <laughs> arguing over who had a shitter haircut. <laughs> <laughs> you've got absolute you've got horns. Two meatheads. And I was like, <clears throat> see, fucking haircut. <laughs> you, really, you really do need to go back to Peter Mark, though. What a shit bag. Look at, look at, look at, this, look at this. It's not blended in or anything. Typical Limerick, actually. You move, you're, you're a long way from Tulla. You're a long way from Tulla. I'm a typical Carlo one. He's London, London. No, he's London now. He's got the London haircut. Did you room together? Did you spend a lot of time together? Jesus, we did, actually. Do you remember that first rooming experience? I remember on the, on the Churchill Cup, when we went over after my seven Tomás Delirio, we were tragically, tragically uh, injured and couldn't go on the Lions tour. We were sent out with all the Muppets to, uh, over to Colorado and Sean was one of the Muppets. And we were slowly, <laughs> O'Connell had said to me, he goes, he goes this O'Brien fella, man, I think he's one of us. He's not like one of them Leinster lads. And when we met him, I went, yeah, I think he's right. And we were trying to work on him and I'd be texting Paul, he said, we're working on O'Brien, working on O'Brien. And then you made, made shit of your knee or something, did you? Yeah, I told my media over there, yeah. Yeah, so that was the start of it, but... So we were trying Best. to sign him for Munster all Best. the time. I was actually running with Neil Best that day that I'd done my medial. And he had went out on the tear that night. Drinking pints. And I didn't know Neil Best from Adam. Okay. <laughs> Drinking anything that went. <laughs> and uh, I was lying in the room. I was after having room service or something. And I was in a good bit of pain. He came in completely drunk. Tried to wrestle me. <laughs> first and foremost. With no clothes on. He had no clothes on. <laughs> I was like, this lad is a lunatic. <laughs> then he opened the window and proceeded to tell me he was going to fire me out the window. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> 19, I think, at the time, thinking, I'm going, to, I'm going to have to call someone here about this fella. The man, the man beside you is a little bit of a lunatic as well, to be fair. He was, that must have been your criteria, was it? I want a roommate I actually, yeah, who's I, mental. Yeah, when I walked into the room, actually, the first day with him, he was sitting on a chair on his laptop, completely naked. <laughs> <laughs> True or false? Shawnee, <laughs> you're responding to emails or something, but like. <laughs> you're the common denominator, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're bringing out in these fellas. Well, I'm not sitting around the room with no clothes on me, that's for sure. Yeah. Shawnee, you're I, known. I think whenever you've finished up. Uh, well, sorry, I didn't finish up. Technically, you're still going. <laughs> <laughs> More than you were ever on, I'd say. The thing that everybody said last year, when Ryan 
all the Leinster fellas, and everything they said was, he's, he's a great fellow on the pitch, obviously, but he's a great fellow off the pitch. You're a storyteller. You're a character. And then I went around, because we were prepping to interview you, text a few of the lads, and two or three of them came back, and they said, get Shawnee to tell the Lar Neal story. <laughs> What's the Lar Neal story? Oh, Lar Neal is his name, actually. Neil. Neil. Like A-I-L. Neil. Is it like no, go? Neil. It's O'Neill, but <laughs> it's O'Neill, but you call it Neil back home. N-E-A-L. He lives on the mountains. Right. <laughs> but I was in my cousin's house one evening, and um, we were having a roast dinner. And uh, Mary, who's my cousin's mother, said to me, uh, Red. Yeah. <laughs> They're very, very distant now. I'm actually not sure how close they are to me. We're all kind of related down there. So. Um, she said to me, um, I had eaten my dinner before everyone else. The plate was wiped clean. And uh, she landed a second one down onto the plate, like, and... Uh, I said, she said to me, Jesus, you're some man to eat, she says. And I was like, <laughs> I, was, I was obviously training a lot of the time, and I was, like, I have a good appetite. And um, she says, but I know a better fella to eat than you. <laughs> and she goes, and Mary be very straight now in real country. She'd be like, learn it. <laughs> a ball a crack. Was such a good man to eat. He used to bring a flask of tea and sandwiches to bed with him. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was the Larnell story, and I, to, I told that to the boys one day, and just they couldn't get over this. Like, oh, oh man! I had like another one when I actually moved to Dublin first as well. I had another one, another story. Um, <laughs> I, I think it was the second or third uh, training camp I'd been to with, for, the, for the Irish under twenty ones, and. Um, there was a couple of lads brought in uh, just for training to make up the numbers outside the 26. And one lad said to me, he said, uh, where, where are you from? And I said, I'm from Carlow. And he said, where is that? <laughs> and I said, it's down south, I said. And I didn't want to really entertain him at all, so I didn't want to tell him. He goes, oh, I was down there one day, he said, and I seen the big, the big, the big white fluffy things. And I said, sheep. And I said... No, 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 he said. There was more than one of them. Shoops. <laughs> so I, I kind of knew then what I was dealing with, like, oh, straight away. Um, I, was, I, was texting, I was texting the two boys today saying, like, we should get him to talk about Carlo. And they just kept coming back and going on about fucking nonsense that I knew we couldn't talk to you about. But I, I kept going back to, can we talk about Carlo? And he eventually goes, who is this Italian guy that you keep talking about? <laughs> Italian guy. I was giving the guy from Belfast the benefit of the doubt, but then he came in and goes, "Yeah, who is this Italian guy?" Carlo. Jesus. Hey, you think the fucking snobs up in Leinster, man? He doesn't even know where Carlo is. Man. <laughs> so you're over in London now. You're the Carlo man over in London. How has that adjustment been? I'm not. I'm not there yet, actually. I'm, okay. I'm moving over on the 25th of next month. So I've been over and back a few times, um, which has actually been quite strange, to be honest. It's. Uh, it's a little bit daunting and scary and uh, very out of my comfort zone um, from the few days I've spent here and there over there. But something I'm really looking forward to the challenge. Um, 
Yeah. So you're rehabbing the hip from Dublin, is it? Yeah, rehabbing the hip from in Leinster still. Um, which is also very strange because you're in the morning, do your rehab and out the gap then you're not involved in any meetings or anything. Although I'm still contracted, obviously, to the union till the end of the World Cup. Right. Which hopefully isn't this weekend, so. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> naive. Naive. Um, uh, so what, have you a target in mind for your first game? Um, I actually probably, it could be as far out as March, to be honest, um, because... When I get over there, I kind of start into their pre-season block that I have to do because uh, I have to hit a lot of targets before I get back and then um, obviously train on the field with them for probably six weeks before I and see can I actually play again and get knocked about and, and so on. So I'm kind of thinking Paddy's Day might be a good one. <laughs> yeah. So when you say Paddy's Day, a lot of us would have believed that maybe your Irish uh, career had come to an end, but... Like, you're only 31, are you only 31? To naivety. To, to naivety, 32. <laughs> you Shawnee getting back in the Ireland too. <laughs> well, I think <laughs> you're, you're 32, so yeah. a lot of people probably presumed you were a bit older because you've been, you've been around and been a feature of the Irish uh, team for so long. So, I mean, everyone in this room and in Ireland would love to see you back in the Irish jerseys. Is that something for you that you'd, you'd love to see? Yeah, yeah, it's something that I've... Um, Something definitely I thought about when I was signing for London Irish, and that's why I definitely didn't say that I'm finishing from international rugby at any stage. So if I get back playing, and if things, circumstances change within the union or whatever, there's no official uh, written rule there as of such, and um, yeah, I'd obviously love to play with, with Ireland again, and if I get back playing, that's... Ireland and probably another Lions tour is what I'd have on the, on the that was a periphery. Question. And obviously missing out on this World Cup, a massive uh, blow to you, I'm sure. This has been something you would have targeted for a long time. Um, but your experiences in World Cups in the past, you played in 2011, was yeah. that your first World yeah. Cup? 11 and 15. Um, 15. What was your experience in those? Yeah, 2011 actually was, was a great, it was absolutely unbelievable World Cup. Um, we had great crack. You were there, weren't you? You were all there, Yeah. You were there, was there for most of it. there for a little while. <laughs> oh, yeah. I gave up the jerseys instead of crying. Remember you won? <laughs> you beat Australia. I do, actually. The highlight of your career. I do you remember that. I didn't know who you were at the time, I don't think. <laughs> go on, go on. Go I, didn't, on. I didn't catch that. What was it? I didn't know who he was at the time. <laughs> um, that was a great tour, in fairness. Um, and great World Cup and obviously we took Australia that time and uh, great experience over there but that, actually after that one the, the few days after that uh, Wales loss was actually some of the best crack I've ever had in my life and um, I remember um, I remember the second night I had come down and um, someone I think Rallet was wheeled down into the lobby I think and he had sunglasses on him and we had him all taped up <laughs> he couldn't move and no one was allowed to touch him either but um, we kept, obviously we were out the whole night and we went the next morning and I text Paulie actually and said to Paulie uh, O'Connell, I said, where are you? He says, D4 bar. I says, on the way, grand, me and Ferg are here. So I walked into D4 bar. This is after about two days now of solid drinking and um, Paulie was sitting there with Ferg and they had a massive bottle of champagne in the middle of this table and there were like two of them were just having 
They were like best buds having the crack and high-fiving each other. But when I walked in, I got the fright of my life. Paulie was like Casper the Ghost, completely white, and had shrunk. <laughs> I think he'd lost about two stone in the, in the two days. So we nicknamed him the corpse <laughs> for the rest of the day. Uh, but do you remember the D4 bar that day, the ne- that next day? There's one across the road? Yeah, it was only down from the hotel. Yeah. Like, uh, it was... I think we were there. I arrived to a Paulie and Ferg at nine o'clock, and the owner came out and he gave us a card and he'd he'd lo- he'd a load of money on. It. I think there could have been four or five grand. And he said, "Use that." By twelve, he came back and said, "That's gone." <laughs> <laughs> he said, "But work away." But the whole team was in at that stage. But what he didn't know was, um, and hopefully he might, might be looking at this, but like I invited all of my friends from Tolo. <laughs> <laughs> So it's about 25 lads drinking the whole day with us, free beer, and they thought this was the best thing ever. I was actually speaking to one of them the other day, and he said, um, he was saying that he's actually going to Japan, but he might have the same crack he had back then. <laughs> but 2015 then was very different for me, because I was coming back from an injury, and um, I got, I got uh, suspended then for that quarterfinal game uh, for the punch on Pape. But uh, again, Paulie tells this one actually quite good. Just before we went out for that game, I'd given a bit of a spiel in the in the dressing room, and um, I was I was fi- I was fired up all week because the Frenchies had come out and said we're going to bully these lads, we're going to physically dominate them, we're going to do all this stuff to them, and I was kind of saying you're going to do absolutely none of that, and we're going to <laughs> we're, go- we're going to do that to you in my head. So I kind of got revved up in the change room and then we were in the tunnel on the way out and I turned around, I think it was fourth or fifth out, and I said, nothing stupid early on, lads. <laughs> and then 90 seconds later, I had a fella punched in the stomach myself. <laughs> and I missed in the quarterfinal against Argentina. And I remember that was one of the, it was definitely one of the worst times of my life. That, Listen, that game. That sighting and going into that game after the Argentina game I remember my two nephews who were very young at the time there was five and six maybe and my sister and all my family were in the room and I broke down on the way to the table and I literally sat there for two hours weeping um, I just couldn't contain myself at all I'd, I'd obviously let them down but we were missing Pauly uh, Johnny there was a few lads missing that day obviously and one of us on the field I think we would have beaten the Argies you know what I mean yeah. and everyone talks about this quarter final thing and we were just missing five of our really good players that day and it was one of my biggest regrets and a terrible time like terrible time um, and that's why I really was pushing hard to get to this one I wanted to kind of uh, make up for what I'd done in the last one How does that compare Shoney then oh. I think um, rugby players in general have a lot of ups and downs that was a, obviously a disappointing time for you and you've obviously struggled with, with injuries uh, you know, throughout your career at kind of crucial moments. Yeah. How, does that, how does a moment like that compare to like, you know, the hip injury at the start of the summer? Yeah, they're very different I suppose because with the hip injury, it's, with injuries like this, you know you're out, you're done, uh, you're, you've missed the World Cup, you're on a six or seven month rehab program. Whereas, Do you know straight away, did you? With the hip? Yeah. It was after, actually, it was after the Lions Tour um, in 2017, I, that November we played South Africa in Dublin, and uh, I was flying fit at the time and playing really well, and I was really happy with my form, and I remember walking down the corridor in Carton House on that Sunday evening, I just got a pain right at the front of my hip, and that was it, that was literally, I was walking, and I got a pain, and um, I had that dental, I had the operation last year, mm. and 
sleep and uh, there's so much that goes with injuries but uh, yeah I was probably playing on one leg or trying to play on one leg and when I met the hip surgeon that Christmas in 2017 he talked me through the steps of where we could go with this and basically I needed a, um, a new hip a full replacement if, if, if I wasn't going to keep playing and if I was going to keep playing well we had a few options to, to see could I play and um, but once I had this done uh, going back to your question is that it's done it's dusted you know you're not playing you know you've rehab ahead of you and you just set yourself small goals every day and every week and get small little wins along the way but comparing to the World Cup where you are fit but you're sitting in the stands because you just haven't been disciplined and you know, there's no comparison then because you know yourself you're after letting everyone down. What, what way did you react to the Pascal Papi bit? Was it a pat in the back, a hard luck, or was it a was there was there a telling off? There was a bit of a telling off. Yeah, he just said, "Look," he said, "You can't do that. You can't get away with that now." And um, it was probably just a moment of madness for me. And <laughs> one of the funny things about that situation was that obviously a lot of regret there. No, there is <laughs> a lot of regret, but he like. In sitting in the here and listening to a player like that, an international player, tell lies to the to the sighting commissioner straight up is it's it baffled me. Like he was there saying that he because you never his tell lies, you'd never tell lies. <laughs> in that situation, I'd always look. You have respect <laughs> on field, but he said to them that he was in hospital for a night. His rib was broke, all this stuff, and then the doctor's report came back, and none of this happened. So like I was like, you, your ribs would be broke, all right. If I get my hands up. <laughs> 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 if I if I got a hold of Master Argentina game, he was in trouble. But um, no, it's, it's complete. But Joe, the, the funny thing happened in that game after the punch, and the referee had stopped and everything. Nigel Owens, I had I was kind of keeping one eye on him like this, like going, did he see me or did anyone hear it? <laughs> there wasn't a word being said, and I was happy. But Paulie came to me and said. Did you just punch him? Because he seen it. He kind of seen it out of the corner of his eye. He said, "Did you just punch him in the stomach?" And I said, "No." I said, "Open hand." <laughs> I walked off. <laughs> and he still brings There's nothing more terrible. So I, I, I did, did lie to Polly at the time, but uh, I admitted it afterwards. But it's, it's complete, complete different circumstances, though. And um, when something like that happens, you are, you're truly are regretful and disappointed with yourself. Yeah. At least you didn't volley him. Do you remember, Flannery, you volleyed someone? <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep the focus on Sean here. Let's keep the focus on Sean. What were you correct. doing then, actually? I remember that. What was your thought process there? Talk, talk me through it. There is no real thought process, man. It was more like, I felt like I was out playing for Fairview and Pike against Pike, and I just the ball bounced, and I just thought, I think I've got a maybe a 20% chance of getting this one he's fair <laughs> game is what he thought yeah well man and ball I the game has moved sense. on now obviously and yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I understand what, what, what really interests me is that I think is like one of the reasons that like you're so popular here amongst the Munster supporters is it's un- unusual for a Leinster guy but it's because you're so transparent because you're so honest and um, I'm not saying all the other Leinster lads are, are dishonest <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I am. <laughs> but, what, but what I mean is that, like, particularly on the last Lions tour, when you went out there, everyone, like, people have an affinity with you because you, you're, 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 you're a straight shooter and you tell it as it is. And, and sometimes it's, it's, it's a little bit too much information, but you're always very honest. But when you came back from the last tour and you were, you were incredible on the tour, you performed so well, but you were quite critical then 
in hindsight, when it would have been so easy to be media savvy and say nothing about it and just say we did okay, but you came out and you were you were quite outspoken about that. Like, what, what was it exactly that you felt that that you were lacking on the tour? I just I just thought with the group of players we have or had uh, on that tour and. Um, and and the management, I suppose, as well. Like, like I know it's a tough job, obviously, getting that all together and stuff. But to to have enough time to plan out everything perfectly, you, you know, over over that period of time, it should run like clockwork. And I just think, I just think it was a big, massive opportunity missed. And that's that's why I said what I said at the end because, you know, in this day and age, should we be overtrained the first week leading into a test game? No. Yeah, and like, should players be, like, players obviously drive everything as well. But um, you know, I just thought there was too much, a bit too much messing and and yappy things going on in the background. And yeah, maybe me being a bit honest is 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 going a bit far sometimes. But that's just my mindset, I suppose. But um, like, I came back from that here and to here and in Wellington. Uh, for the Lions tour as well, I was at another disciplinary meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't get banned, by the way. In- innocent, um, but it was it was ridiculous as well what I was brought in for that time because they said I forearmed someone in the head and yeah. I don't do You'd that. I ended up breaking my arm. <laughs> but um, I was in the disciplinary meeting. Went followed the lads on a day later, and when I got to the hotel, there was still there was still lads having beers and stuff. This is two years after the second test, and we were leading into the final week. And um, I was just like, what do I do here? Do I join him or do I you know, go and get ready for a test match this week? And I went, I went on to bed. I was uh, drained and I was worried that kind of all that thing was still up in the air, whether I would get banned or not. And, um, and then we were playing catch-up the rest of the week. And I just thought that was an opportunity missed. And like, maybe it's, it's up to... Um, the leaders within the group as well to really put the foot down and, and you know what I mean say are we doing too much are we doing too little and so on and um, you know we end up drawing the last test I think the, 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 the part like uh, it was a draw <laughs> <laughs> just Fair like enough. it wouldn't be unbelievable to come home and say we're after beating New Zealand in their own backyard I agree with you the, the, the thing that, that stood out to me is that you really had nothing to gain by calling people out on that because it's not like if you if you if if it happened during a Leinster season and you said it at the end of the season said listen this wasn't good enough and then you affect change in it and then it, it runs on from there well then Leinster are better and you benefit but you you had no nothing really to benefit only for the Lions to just point out something that our yeah. preparation wasn't good enough that's why I found it unusual yeah I th- and you're a gobby th- bastard as well when you <laughs> no I'm not but the way the way it came across is probably a bit it was probably a bit aggressive, but I, I didn't mean it for it to come like that. I meant it to come as a, a, a point, basically, to improve things going forward and, and kind of learn from our mistakes. Because, you know, if the lads go to, if, if I go to South Africa the next time, etc. <laughs> Rob Howley's coach, you won't be going. Who? <laughs> Rob Howley. I don't know if he'll be going now. <laughs> <laughs> Put your money on it anyway. But like, <laughs> there's there's obviously lessons to be learned of every tour. But like, I, so I do I do realize how big and enormity of a thing it is to get perfectly right. Obviously, yeah. But I just thought it was an opportunity missed. It's it's interesting to hear. Like when you, so lads, they're on tour. You're on tour. You're in New Zealand, and it's still 
lads wanting to have crack and enjoy themselves uh, you know for a couple of days after a big win despite having a big game the following weekend I mean yeah. this obviously with Ireland's current situation been over in, in the World Cup in Japan for a month and building up to our biggest game that we've ever had potentially there's going to be none of that going on I mean they're going to be absolutely ultra not. focused no, no. Oh, right absolutely not but Lions Tour are so unique that's all a part of it too it's yeah. steeped in history like and you know that's, that's what makes Lions Tours is the crack and um, everyone getting really close together and some people getting too close together and <laughs> <laughs> painting toenails and stuff so getting the names name some names Haskell like he was like yeah. there he actually, I actually asked to not be roomed with him after the second week because I couldn't handle him anymore. Oh, I thought you were proper, like... No, we were at the end, like... Yeah. Fairness, I took him back in and I said, look, you need to calm down a little bit. <laughs> Stop being so up and down all the time. Yeah. He had a kind of a steady pace for me. Yeah. Well, he's, uh, he was gas crack, actually, so he was. Good yeah. lad. Yeah. Uh, so, looking at Ireland heading into the weekend against New Zealand, um, being one of the only people in the room that have been there and beaten them, um, how do you think they're looking? Is it uh, you know there's a lot of worry out there that it's it's the same thing we're seeing again and again? Do you feel like they've got something up their sleeve or? Yeah, I definitely think they have a few things up their sleeve. Um, no and Joe, they definitely do. And I think um, while I suppose everyone, including myself, has, has looked the last few weeks and seen little glimpses of nice play, etc. There is a big performance in these lads and the one thing I, I'll go back to is that they've done a lot of firsts in the last uh, few years, you know, going away, beating New Zealand obviously, uh, winning uh, Southern Hemisphere Tour, etc. And I just think something is telling me that it's going to happen this weekend. And I think there's a massive performance in the race. You can look at the pool games and, and you can say what you want about them, but they're done with now. Forget about it. This is knockout rugby. And the one thing I did say I did like about Ireland last week was their energy was good the whole way through the game. Where the previous two, they looked flat and a bit tired, etc. And players looked tired. And last weekend, that's what I, I, I kind of said to myself after the game. They're, they're on the money now. They'll, they'll be ready to rock next week, hopefully, regardless of who they have. And um, I, think that's, I, think, I hope that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I like you look at you look at Johnny, Pete, all these boys. These lads aren't going over there to, you know what I mean, to get knocked out in the quarter final. They're going over to win a World Cup, mm. and uh, so it'll take a good team to beat them. Yeah. Back to believe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm convinced. He's, he's convincing, isn't he? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I'm on board. Yeah, Is I'm, there not, I'm going to stop supporting Japan from now on. <laughs> Is there anything in particular that they th- you think they can do um, to up that, upset that New Zealand team? As Briggsy said earlier on, there's, there's something about the Irish at the moment that feel like we've got something up on, on New Zealand. Um, but is there anything particular in your experience that, that we can draw upon? I just think... Um, I think, I think Joel have spotted something. Something, some kink in their armour. And if we get it right, if we execute right... You know, you've seen it in the last few games that we've um, beaten them. And we should have beat them. I, I was probably at fault the time in the Viva after the Chicago game. Because, I, I, well, I'll take, I'll take Dev into this as well. His, his <laughs> delivery wasn't perfect, but I probably should have still held it. 
on a peel around the back of the line out five metres out and we we score that and we probably win the game. But we've had, there's little tricks like that we've done in the past a few games against them that have worked beautifully when they're done right and they are scoring opportunities. So I think you'll see something like that this weekend. Um, and I think our scrum is going to be massive. I think our scrum is going to be massive. Any time we've beaten them, we've actually got a few scrum penalties off scrum and it's not talked about that often. We have won a, we won a few against them and they're predominantly known as a really good scrummaging team. So they're kind of the two things. I think we'll, we'll see something that we haven't seen before. A few trick plays and um, set piece is going to be massive, especially the scrum. I'm convinced. Are you showing the match in here? Yeah. In this room? Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> we love, we, <laughs> yeah. uh, I have a special announcement to make, actually. It is Jerry Flannery's birthday today. He's not as young as he looks, lads. He's there for everyone in the audience. There we go. Fuck you. And we're going to take the opportunity to give him a little cake. Is that all right? Jerry Sr. Uh, is down here, I believe. Um, he's here, Jerry Sr. Uh, so I'd say about 15 years ago, Jerry Jr. turned to his dad and said, Daddy, I want a bar. <laughs> I want it now. <laughs> and Jerry Senior having worked yeah. and built this These place. These are my one. jokes that I use on me <laughs> that you're using on me now in front of the public. Foolish. <laughs> built this place from the ground up, as you see, handed it over. He I'll be honest. fuck all with this man. I did all this. <laughs> He's Next got an door. unbelievable job, Jer. So fair play to you. This is your <laughs> empire. It's not his. It's your empire. So Jerry bought you the most measly cake in the world, right? <laughs> so we're going to present it to you now, aren't we? Yes, we are. Yes. Oh, there it is. Sorry. Happy birthday to you. Pure luxury. Happy birthday to you. Two euro and happy birthday. Not not exactly a cake, more of a gateau. But I appreciate it. Larnell now the tenant was. You got it. Jesus. Mind him, we could have splashed Mind out, him. lads. We saved, we saved on the lay fire with Briggsy. We could have splashed <laughs> out. Thank you, Liz. Cheers for the cake. Um, lads, we had a good night. I think we'll wrap it up uh, with uh, firm belief that Ireland are going to win on Saturday and we're going to win the World Cup. Yes. Uh, fair enough. Sean, you've convinced us all. So... Where's Japan? Japan is over there, is it? Where's East? Where's East, lads? I fucking knew I shouldn't ask the Limerick crowd this. Where's East? Over there. Point your points, East. Believe. That's West. That's West. It's Ashton. Point it up. 
Thanks to Niamh, to Scans and to Shawnee. Thanks to everyone in production that has made tonight possible. Thanks to all the bar staff here and everyone in Flannery's. Thank you. To <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to all our penguins for coming out tonight. We love you all very much. Thanks to Lamb. This has been Baz and Andrews House of Rugby here on Joe together with Guinness. Party on. Party on. You were listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Drink responsibly. Visit drinkaware.ie for the facts.